0: Because life is short, and if you are not doing something that is really filling you up every single day, you are just wasting your time. And I I don't think you can really have the level of impact in the world that each of us is capable of having if they're doing something that is out of line with who they are and what they want.
1: Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another outstanding episode of For the Love of Money. I'm really, really excited for today's episode because I'm sitting down with Carly Stein, who is the founder and CEO of Beekeepers Naturals. I'm sure you've seen or used the products already. It's the huge line of natural bee products that are literally changing the world. As a matter of fact, you're going to hear in this episode an instance where it actually saved my wife Lori's butt for her great big event that she does once a year when somebody handed her one of these products long before we knew who Carly was. So the proof is in the results, even in our own life. And I cannot wait to talk to Carly about how she got it started and how she got it to thrive in the way that it is thriving today. Now, speaking of getting your business off the ground and thriving, for all of my entrepreneurs out there who are making between fifty dollars and $250,000 a year, Lori and I have built the mastermind for you. Five months long, right? So it's High impact, short commitment. And we've designed everything we wish existed when we were getting started. And we've done it in a way that mixes in person weekends with online training and this epic library of every single foundational lesson you need to know in order to start your business, grow your audience, and monetize your products far more than you are right now, way faster than you are right now. So if you're an entrepreneur between 50 and $250,000, Please join this little experiment that Lori and I put together because we basically built an over $20,000 mastermind for about a quarter of the price. I'm not kidding you. You have to go check it out. Go to fastfoundations.com. Again, it is fastfoundations.com. It is the foundational lessons of everything that nobody else bothers to lift the veil on or teach you. Entrepreneurs, between $50,000 and $250,000, Go to fastfoundations.com, click on the button that allows you to ask more questions Do you have questions. Otherwise, just commit on the spot because there's very few spots left right now at this point. All right, so I'm about to blow your mind with Carly Stein. She is one of the coolest up-and-coming CEOs that I have ever talked to in my life. Like I said earlier, she's the founder and CEO of Beekeepers Naturals, this incredible line of bee products that's changing the world. And the best part is this business originated from a small medical issue that she faced while she was traveling in Italy. And after discovering the incredible healing properties of Bee Propolis, she set out on a mission to share it with the rest of the world. And this mission has turned into something that is changing the world. It's a fantastic story of really going from being unhappy on Wall Street to developing this innovative bee made product line that provides natural solutions to everyday modern health issues. You're not going to believe some of the things that this will help you with. And it's also a great story of self-doubt. She tells her story how she thought that she wasn't one of, quote, these people who starts a- and runs a business and how she was able, able to overcome that. She talks about how she built this business from the ground up in her spare time while still working on Wall Street, literally setting up tables at the farmer's market on the weekends. I'm talking like from the ground up, rolling up your sleeves and just doing the do and figuring it out on the way. That is why she is so, so inspiring. And here's one of my favorite parts. She now uses her company as a platform to raise awareness and funding for all of the bee causes out there by partnering up with nonprofits. She's a true example of what we talk about all the time, being a for-profit, for-cause company. So get ready, listen up, because Carly and her story and her products and this episode are absolutely epic. All right, Carly, thank you for being on the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Totally my pleasure. We're talking offline a little bit about our mutual friends. So I've been really excited to talk to you and learn a little bit more about your business because it was fun to research. Awesome. So I typically start my show with rapid fire. It's a fun way to help my listeners get to know you in a hurry. And then if there's something great that comes up, we can circle back around and do a deep dive on it. You game?
0: I'm game.
1: All right. Real easy. Where'd you grow up?
0: Toronto, Canada.
1: And where do you live now?
0: Uh, Venice, California.
1: Favorite quote?
0: My favorite quote, it's, um, it's a JK Rowling quote. I'm a massive Harry Potter fan <laughs> and she's t- it's talking about failure. I'm not just going to give you something straight from the books, although I would love that. Um, and she says, if you live so cautiously as to never fail at all, then you fail by default.
1: Mm, oh my God, that's so good. By the way, Lori and I just went and had like a adult acting like kids day at that whole Harry Potter land in Universal oh Studios. It's so fun.
0: <laughs> I lose my mind there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is one of your superpowers?
0: Um, connecting with strangers.
1: So good. One of your favorite books.
0: I'm not going to say Harry Potter, although it is uh, <laughs> Ender's Game.
1: One thing that you're challenged by right now.
0: I'm challenged by how much I'm traveling and striving to find balance in that sort of chaos.
1: Oh my God, you and me, and I think everybody else that we're friends with yeah. have that same challenge right now. couple more. Who's someone who's changed your life? My dad. Oh, so cool. And then... What is something generous you've done recently?
0: I sent one of our team members. They, they were just, I could tell that they kind of needed some creative space. And I sent them on their own private creative retreat, which was the best thing I've ever done because they came back so recharged and just refueled. And that's something that we really value for the team and for the company. We really want to make sure that everybody is feeling well.
1: Wow. That's awesome that you did that. We'll definitely circle back around on that a little bit later. Last but not least, what are you grateful for today?
0: I'm grateful for my
1: team. Aren't teams the best? Like
0: They're so good.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're the ones that kind of take our wild visions and put them into something that people, people can see, feel, and touch. Otherwise, I don't know about you, but for me, nothing would get done.
0: 100% same page. I also, I don't know if you feel like this, but I I kind of feel like I'm their parent in this weird way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really just excited watching them grow and watching them expand in their careers and all that stuff and I just feel like so close to them because there's this insane kinship for these people who have just come on and joined my vision and made it their own.
1: Oh yeah, it is the best feeling. Like creating jobs that you know people love is the greatest feeling on the planet, isn't it? It really is. So let's go a little bit deeper into the interview now things that um I want to circle back around on and really get into and you know as I said in the intro today you're the CEO of this really exciting startup Beekeeper's Naturals but before this you were working for like a hedge fund and also Goldman Sachs and all that doing the do in New York take us back there cuz that's a far cry from like this Venice Beach life that you have now
0: Yes very very different um so I I've always been the person that I am now. I've always been somebody who's very interested in environmental affairs, sustainability, obsessed with every single animal, uh, and really driven by per- like purpose versus money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up getting this great job offer out of college. And one thing I did not have out of college was any money. So, you know, took the good job at the hedge fund. Um, and I was there for about 10 months. And then 10 months in, I got recruited by Goldman Sachs to join as a trader. So it just seemed like the logical next step. It's a good job and a good firm. And everyone's telling me that this is an opportunity of a lifetime. And everybody else seemed to be really excited about it. Uh, so I took the job. And it was in that job, I learned so much. And I'm incredibly grateful for that experience. And it, for a lot of reasons, gave me the ability to start the company that I now run. But I really lost track of myself. I was, you know, working insane hours, um, doing something that was—it just really didn't have meaning for me. I felt totally out of alignment. I didn't connect. I didn't share the same values with the people I worked with, and I ended up feeling really isolated and really depressed. Mm. And it was just sort of getting to that point where I felt so alone and so sort of off, even though I should be happy because I was receiving more positive external validation than I ever had in my life in that job. And yet I was still so unhappy and it got to a point where I was just like, you know what, like, I need to do me. I, I can't do this anymore. I have to really look in look words and look at what's authentic and move in that direction no matter how scary it is and how crazy it sounds and how probable failure is.
1: You know, I'm, I'm glad actually that you had that realization because too many people just stay, they stay trapped in that feeling and the depression gets worse and worse and they just stay on this road that they kind of got stuck on without doing something about it. But you're actually one of the rare ones that did something about it. When did you realize that it wasn't for you? Was there like a moment or a turning point?
0: I think it was, it was pretty soon in. I mean, I was working really crazy hours and I just, I was saying no to every single social engagement. I was missing friends having babies. I was. You know, so missing some of the milestones in the lives of people I loved, each of those was sort of a little nudge. And then I think we had this analyst forum. There was an event that took place at the firm and the analyst forum, because a lot of the analysts in my year were having a lot of issues around stress. And so they had this forum in New York. They brought in this researcher from some Ivy. And we had this whole like hour plus lecture on how we can utilize stress and turn it into a positive. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is, and everyone seemed to be really on board. Everyone was like hyped about the content. And I was like, this is so messed up. Like, all of us, all, 90% of the people in this room have pulled like more than one all nighter this week. And nobody seems to find take issue with that. And everybody seems to be sort of checked onto this, this journey for, some goal that is so far in the future. Like people justify all of these things for money, basically. And the thing is, with that, is yes, you're making good money, but you have no time to enjoy it. You have no time to share it with the people you love. You have no time to experience anything. So you're basically checking into this situation where you're going to make a lot of money, but you're going to have absolutely no life and you're not going to get to enjoy your money until many years out into the future and that just sound it just felt like a crazy way to live for me because you never know what can happen tomorrow. And money isn't the most important thing in the world, although we all know it is very important. It's not the only thing and you need to really design your life around the things that fill you up and you know fit money into that versus chase something that is crazy
1: path. by the way like that is some weird corporate propaganda teaching you to embrace the stress and basically get everybody to buy into the fact that no 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 it's it's okay that you know you're near heart attack and have no time to do anything that lights you up, here's how you embrace it and use it. That's wild. Oh, yeah.
0: I still have my Goldman Sachs stress ball. My Goldman Sachs stress ball god, my favorite. This is probably the... the, There's so much good about working there. It just wasn't for me.
1: Totally. It's such a money-centric atmosphere. And you said that you are contribution-based and sustainability-based. That had to really be a tough rub for you.
0: It was. I just... I really felt like an oddball. I mean, first of all, I was... I stood out to begin with, cause I, you know, it's, it's a large trading floor. There's not many women and I was one of the few. And then I'm like the sort of hippie chick on the desk. Like I was like drinking my green juice and doing all the stuff that everyone would make fun of, but yeah, beyond the little things, everyone was kind of, it was very projection based. I think because you give so much of your time to this job and you know, you're not, you're not really enjoying your money for the experiences. It becomes about purchasing things. And it was this culture of, of what you have and what you can sort of show. And that was really toxic for me.
1: So it can be a real trap. So your passion for bees and beekeepers, natural, your company, and really just natural wellness, it kind of came from an incident where you fell ill while in Italy. And that was the exact same time that you're kind of working in New York. Is that right or no?
0: Well, I it was just before. So it was my final, I think it was my final year in college. Um, I did a semester abroad and I got really sick while I was abroad. I was going to have to come home and have surgery, which I was not excited about as a college student in Europe for the first time. And so I was kind of looking for anything to cure me. And I went into a pharmacy in Florence and I was given this weird stuff called propolis, mm-hmm. which now is one of our, is our flagship product. But i um, given this weird propolis stuff and I used it to completely cure my tonsillitis. And I also am allergic to most strains of antibiotic. So, having that experience where I was able to cure myself naturally without the adverse reaction uh, and do it with you know something I found at a pharmacy that was made from completely natural ingredients that was just sort of mind-blowing. And that's what sort of sparked the curiosity and set me down this path.
1: And explain to people what propolis is. It's kind of like the stuff that holds the honeycomb together. Is that right? or
0: Sort of. I mean, it's definitely used in there. So propolis, you can think of it as the immune system of the hive. Honey, it's the bees' food. It's their carbs, their energy source. It's made from uh, plant or floral nectars, whereas propolis is made from plant and tree resins. So the bees are collecting things like sap and, and pine pollens and those sort of things that are a little more adaptogenic in nature. And they put it through their enzymatic process and they use it to line the hive and keep it germ free. So literally, they're lining the whole hive with it. They line the inside of the cells for newborn baby bees. Fun fact, my favorite fact about propolis, let's say a predator gets into the hive like a mouse, Mm -hmm. the bees can kill it, but they can't physically pick it up and carry the dead mouse out of the hive. And so what they'll do is they'll actually mummify the mouse in propolis and it's that powerful of a protective substance that protects the entire hive from a decaying rodent in their living room. Because of course, a decaying body in your house would make you pretty sick.
1: Yeah, kind of gross.
0: Yeah. And so for humans, it functions, it's almost like a natural antibiotic. It's antiviral, antifungal, antimicrobial, antibacterial. And for people like me who can't handle antibiotics or, you know, just the average person who wants to try something natural before they go down the road of pharmaceuticals, it's a really great way to boost your immune system. Um, a really great way to kind of recover, prevent cold and flu, help with any sort of viral thing.
1: That's amazing. So yeah. Okay. So I've got this weird confession. I Love honey, like I'm addicted to it. And I'll go in the pantry all the time and squeeze like the honey bear or take one of the honey things and just be eating it straight. And Lori will walk by and catch me. And she's like, What is your problem? Matter of fact, when I coach people, she calls me the honey bear coach because I'll sit and just eat honey. Isn't that weird?
0: I mean, I'm not going to lie, I do the same thing, but (laughs) we definitely, I know I already sent you stuff, so we're good, but we need to upgrade your honey selection because that squeezy bear honey is pasteurized and it
1: is not good for you. Okay. I swear we have like good natural honey that comes in like the jars from the local place. And then also somehow we have the squeezy bear honey. I don't know why we have both. I'll throw the other (laughs) one out. I promise. (laughs) Okay. So I just, to stick to this story, when was the moment where you're like, wait a second, this stuff is gold. I want to build a company out of it.
0: It really happened organically. It wasn't one standout moment. It was I started off just making these products for myself. I had cured um, my tons I had I had chronic tonsillitis. I had cured that, and then I was also I started just learning about bee products and I started beekeeping and I learned about the benefits of royal jelly for the brain and pollen as a protein source and the ways you can sort of regulate your uh, immune system with Propolis. And I I just really radically changed my health. And when I started doing that, I started sharing it with friends. And next thing you know, I had friends of friends Facebook messaging me to pay a premium for some weird bee products out of some chick's dorm room. So it was just kind of, I was making them for people in my life, but I didn't have the confidence at the time to start a business. I didn't think I could do that. I had a lot of really silly stories about how I'm not the type of person who starts a business and I don't have what it takes, but I kept doing this thing that I love and sharing it with people who were experiencing benefits and it just sort of snowballed. So, you know, I was sharing it with friends and then I started making more, it was actually, I put it, I put it away for a little bit and was just making it for myself. And then it was when I was at Goldman, when I sort of identified that I was really depressed, I sat down and I made a spreadsheet about happiness and I was trying to identify when was I the happiest in my life and what the hell was I doing and how can I get back there? And one thing or two things that I kept coming back to were working with the bees and building products to help people, you know, just live a better life and, and feel healthier. And so I was like, okay, yes, I'm working a crazy work week, but people have hobbies. People have weird hobbies. Mine can be making... Weird bee products the same way someone else's is baking. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I'll just do this; it will make me happy. So I started doing it. I started. I was, you know, I was back and forth between Toronto and New York, so not the best environment to keep bees. <laughs> but I started um, sourcing bee products from the beekeeper who I had worked for in college, and just building products. And I originally I was just sharing them with friends and family. You know, making a lot of artisanal Christmas gifts, and then I started like I would go to farmers markets and I would. Set up my booth at farmers markets on Saturday and Sunday, and everyone, my friends, thought I was literally insane. <laughs> like, think about someone working on Wall Street who's just like standing at the farmers market with their bee products on their weekend. Oh my god! Um, yeah, people thought I was crazy, but I really loved it, and I really loved sharing it, and I was I was getting such incredible feedback from people, um, and and that's sort of when it started. I started receiving feedback from strangers about how these products were radically improving their health and the health of people in their family. And there's a large population that struggles with autoimmune conditions. And that was a demographic that, you know, really adopted our product. and was really sort of finding the things that worked for them and, and tools to heal. And the more and more, the more I would hear feedback from our customers and these inspiring stories, the the more inspired I was to share. And, you know, it, it was really word of mouth. All of a sudden, I was... I shared my personal email and my inbox was like over the top with requests. so I was like, okay, I guess I got to set up a website. So I set up a website. It was all very reactive in the beginning because I was in denial about what it could be. And I was very scared to take that step.
1: This is an incredible story because when you said that you weren't the type of person who starts or runs a business, I think people get caught up in that sometimes. Is there a type or can anybody do it when they realize they have something they're this passionate about?
0: Literally anyone can do anything like there, there is absolutely no type. It's, it's finding your passion. And then it's just grit. It's just grit. It's just work ethic. I am not the smartest person I know by a long shot. I don't have any special skill set that allowed me to build this company. I just really love it. And I worked really hard
1: at it. Getting a startup off the ground is no joke. And you've totally like bootstrapped it the right way. What's been your biggest challenge so far though?
0: My biggest challenge, I mean, scaling and building a team has been really hard, especially because we have um, a partly remote workforce. We've an office in Toronto and then we have half our team in LA. So trying to create culture as you grow um, is just something I think about all the time. And then the biggest challenge really is education. We have a really unique product line. People know honey, but they don't know anything else that the bees do. And our core competen- our core competency is building nutraceuticals. It's building sort of medicinal grade products using the unique prop the unique properties and unique ingredients from the beehive and that involves a lot of education and there's so much coming at people so teaching people not only how to sort of change their health game but also what these things are and why the bees are important there's just a lot of educational layers
1: so that's been one of the toughest parts what's been one of your biggest wins so far do you have any breakthrough moments
0: yeah i mean i think just the adoption of all of our products we've we've launched quite a few products now and um, every single time, I'm like freaking out and terrified and scared. No one's <laughs> gonna like it. And we have been fortunate to have a really strong response. And I'm always just in awe of our customer base and you know how they champion us and and what they share with us.
1: Oh my god! As they should be. Okay, so what's so special about things made with or you know from bees? And how did you decide what products to create? Like, what was the very first one?
0: So, very first one was propolis because I. I was just that person who was always sick, like always sick with everything. Uh, and Propolis just radically changed my immune system. And, and that's just what made me fall in love with it. Like I, I truly always had a sore throat. I had chronic strep, tro- chronic tonsillitis. So Propolis was where we started. And then with the bee products generally, there's just so many amazing healing properties. It's really interesting Bee products, that people don't really know about them, but yet we have this insane history with them. Like the first recorded human use of propolis dates back to 300 BC. Cleopatra used propolis for her beauty routine. The Incas used to drink propolis to reduce fever. Um, during the Boer War, they would use propolis to disinfect wounds. Like we have this really rich medicinal history and it was almost the antibiotic before we had antibiotics. Um, same with royal jelly across different cultures. They use it as a brain tonic. Uh, it's been used to balance hormones. So it's just sort of coming back to this sort sort of like old plants wisdom. Um, and then also combining that with modern science. If you look at recent studies, there's tons of efficacy behind these different bee products. So seeing that and seeing that there is something natural that can really serve as a true alternative to a lot of the stuff we have in our medicine cabinet. Um, that's, that's just really like the true magic of B products. There's just so much there to work with.
1: You know what's so cool? We actually came across your product a couple of years ago. Uh, my wife, Lori, she has something called the Bliss Project every year, big event for women. And she wasn't feeling the best. And somebody gave her this, I don't know what to call it, like a spray. And, that's our propolis. Yeah. And, and turns out to be your propolis, your, your flagship product or your first product anyways. And it was like a game changer and got her through that event.
0: Oh yeah, it's incredible for your immune system. It really is, and so propolis. Like I use it every single day, and it's just it's something as well that's generally healthy because it's all natural because of its the, the way that it is. It's just it's something that's going to be really nourishing for the body that's safe to take on a regular basis. But beyond what it does for your immune system, it's got over three hundred beneficial compounds. It's full of antioxidants, caffeic acid. It's anti-inflammatory. It's prebiotic. It's great for digestion. So the bees make all of this stuff that's just so good for us. And it's it's digging into that and educating about that and sharing it.
1: That is so cool. Was there a time you ever afraid of bees or have you kind of been like loving bees ever since a kid?
0: I've always, I mean, I didn't specifically love bees, but I've always been like a weird bug girl. <laughs> like I was like I remember at summer camp I was like the girl who would go into other people's cabins to take the spiders and put them outside when like everyone was screaming. Oh my um, I just always loved animals. This is hilarious.
1: Creatures. Picturing you on Wall Street <laughs> as the weird bug girl that is drinking her green juice and then going to the farmers market is a great picture.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all
1: right, so Didn't let's talk about let's talk about your generosity <laughs> side a little bit because we talk a lot on the show about for profit uh for purpose companies and you're a company with a cause. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, so we are a benefit corp. And at the core of what we're doing, we are practicing ethical beekeeping. And what that means is we're just basically, you know, the bees are endangered, and that's a big problem because they pollinate one third of our food supply. So, you know, if we lose the bees, we are going to lose things like almonds, avocados, apples, berries. We'll have a really intense reaction in our entire food chain and the ecosystem at large because bees are also pollinating wildflowers that different creatures feed on and, and, you know, play an important role in our environment. So preserving the bees is critically important. And we really try to do that in all of our practices. Um, And then we also have charity partners we work with. So in Canada, we work with the Canadian Bee Research Fund. And in the U.S., we work with UC Davis Bee Research. So we run different campaigns and pass back a portion of profit to support research. A lot of it's for anti-pesticide awareness and just general bee health. And then we also have an apparel line where we give our percentage of profit to our charity partners. So at all layers, we have a giving component and a change component. We also, for our production, we partner with small-scale apiaries all over the world. So we're looking to work with people who meet our standards in terms of being pesticide-free. And we test all of our raw products for pesticide. And we do that for two reasons. One, because if you're buying a health product, you should not have any pesticide exposure and we want to give people the purest, cleanest, top of the line products out there. But the other reason is if we can ensure that there's no pesticide exposure in our raw product, it means that we're getting the bees away from the pesticides. And that is a massive thing because one of the main issues affecting the bees is the pesticides. It's messing up their spatial reasoning. It's, it's really damaging to them. So in doing things that way we're able to create an environment that's just conducive to bee health.
1: Okay, this is fascinating because I got to be honest, I don't like wake up every day wondering how bee health is, right? Like it's never been yeah. on my radar, but it sounds like it's a really big important thing. How bad is it and like what, you know, what does the future look like? Is this something that's totally at risk or, or paint that picture for us?
0: It's pretty bad. So so 70 of the world's 100 most important food crops are bee pollinated. And then beyond things that are exclusively bee pollinated, like, like bee pollinated, they literally can't self-reproduce. They need the bees to help with reproduction, to help the crops grow. There's a lot of crops that are partially bee pollinate, pollinated. So things like coffee, even things like cotton, the bees will help with pollination. So if you look at our world today, our consumption has gone up, um, and especially our consumption of like certain natural foods like almonds, for example, and yet bee population has gone down. So you know, we're going to have a real shortage. And, you know, prior to that happening, the inflation on these healthy foods that are really important um, for everyone to ingest and for the world to enjoy, it's going to go way up and healthy food is going to become even more inaccessible. Um, and then, you know, we get to a point where we really can't produce it. And year over year, we've seen a pretty steady B decline. Um, in 2006, when DDT was taken out of the game, it was replaced with a class of pesticides called neonicotinoids. And it's a neuroactive substance. It's water soluble, which is really scary. So it's getting into our water. Um, it's sometimes sprayed on the plant and sometimes the seeds are dipped in it. So it literally grows up through the vascular system of the plant. So it's inside the plant, which is super gross. God. Yeah, pretty bad. So this pesticide, and I mean, there's, it's a confluence of factors that are affecting the bees. It's not just the pesticides, but the pesticides are really bad. And that's sort of the I think that's the first thing that has to change And in different parts of the world. We've seen momentum. So in Canada, in certain parts of Canada, there's been a partial ban on neonics. Certain places in Europe, they have put a ban. The U.S. not happening right now, but I'm hopeful.
1: Why is the U.S. so behind in all that stuff?
0: I don't know. It's, it's really hard. I mean, well, we do know we know that these pesticide companies make a lot of money and, you know, any reduction there is going to be a battle because these are massive, massive companies. Um, so that's a big issue. But then the U.S. just doesn't seem to prioritize environmental affairs the way that they need to, it's at ab- least not right
1: now. Absolutely S9, because it's literally our future. So do you make your work with the, all these charity partners a part of your marketing? Like, Are you unapologetic about it to shine a light on it? Or do you just kind of do it in the dark because it's the right thing to do?
0: We try without being overly pushy. We try to be pretty out there with it. I mean, the other thing we do is our entire platform, the educational component is just as much about product as it is about the cause. So we work really hard to almost humanize the bees because a lot of people have this perception of bees that they're these like monstrous creatures that are going to sting you and they don't even realize that the bees are vital for all of our for all of us to survive on this earth. So we we work hard to share really interesting bee facts and explain the role that the bees play and highlight our charity partners without sort of throwing it in people's faces too aggressively, but we're pretty aggressive, so.
1: <laughs> Actually, I like that. So so if I get an unofficial vote, I love that you are kind of loud and proud about it and that it's such a big part of your model for two reasons. One, clearly it's something that the everyday person like me needs to hear about and learn about and be aware of. Number two, for all the entrepreneurs out there, it shows them how you can accomplish a for-profit, for-cause, or in your case, a B Corp. Know, do good at the same time as, you know, participating in enterprise. I absolutely love that you're doing it kind of loud and proud in the way that you are.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I think it really is important for entrepreneurs to recognize that, especially in today's world, people often feel like they don't know what to do and they feel very frustrated with a lot of sort of situations we have at hand. So, giving people something that they can champion, educating them, making them aware of something that's really important, and giving them a cause to jump into, and giving them an opportunity to have impact with their purchase as well—like when you buy our honey versus another honey, you're supporting sustainable beekeeping.
1: That is, and so I cool. think
0: I think that's actually a really fantastic business model.
1: Yeah, it really is. I think it's a necessary business model. Um, if I have to predict the future, because you know I've got my crystal ball and I'm I can do that, I would say that people who do not have a cause attached to their company, they're going to have a hard time surviving because I feel like all the upcoming millennials and all the other generations are really kind of voting with their dollar and they want to know who's behind the company. and They want to know the sustainability and the cause and everything else. They don't just want the product marketed to them anymore.
0: I totally agree with that.
1: You said something that I want to touch on real quick and I want to be respectful of your time here, but I don't want to just pass over it. When we're doing Rapid Fire you said one of your acts of generosity recently was sending a team member on a retreat because you could tell they really needed it. This is like the fact that you recognized it and followed through with that is a dream CEO, so to speak. Where does this generosity come from? Where does this awareness come from?
0: So because in the workforce, I was generally unhappy before I had this job and I had a really good job. If it was just about money, I, I could have sat in my seat but it was about so much more than that. So I really believe that to make the best products and to have the best connection with our customer base, the people who are running the show have to be really happy and really in line. Um, So a conversation I have with every single one of our employees is where they want to go, what their absolute dream job is. Even if we're hiring them for a position that's not what they describe their dream job to be, I need to know what their dream job is so we can create a path towards that together. And you know, if somebody's dream job is, a scenario where when they're feeling depleted they can go kind of recharge their creative energy and if that actually makes a difference to their workflow hell yeah I'm, I'm all about that like I don't think that the way people work is the same across the board um, I really appreciate the people of different work styles and ultimately I want my team to be happy and well so you know we try to really look at every individual at the company and you know, we're trying to keep that in place as we scale. It gets harder and harder with more people, but it's it's just really important that we have a dialogue with everyone, that everyone's heard, and that what people need to you know keep, carry out their best work is fully supported.
1: Well done! I freaking love it. What a good example you are for everybody else who's an aspiring CEO. Do you have any other favorite moments of giving?
0: I mean, I am like I'm so blown away by my team. Um, we have in our we have a Slack channel where we just share customer feedback, and we had one customer write in who had a pretty traumatic uh, health story and really kind of found their place with our products. And I had a really junior team member share that review with me or that message from the customer and ask me if they could send them a special assortment for Christmas. And I just was I just thought that was like a really beautiful thing, just having that sort of the, the line of communication that we keep with our customer base and the way that all of my team members really want to help. It's, I guess that's like an act of generosity. That's not my act of generosity. That's one of my incredible team members. But um, it's something that I found really inspiring.
1: You know, earlier you said one of your struggles was uh, creating culture when half the team is in Toronto, half the team is LA. I would say it sounds like you've done an awesome job hiring for culture and creating culture of of like-minded people on, on the same purpose. So really, really well done.
0: Thank you. I've, I've been pretty lucky so far.
1: So where can we find you and where should we get Beekeepers Naturals products?
0: So you can find everything about Beekeepers Naturals at beekeepersnaturals.com. We also have an epic blog. So if anyone's looking to either learn more about product or just learn more about the cause, the bees anything like that. We have a ton of information about beekeeping, about the environment, all that stuff on our blog. And we also have a really awesome Instagram page. It's beekeepers underscore naturals. And we're on Facebook as well, beekeepers naturals.
1: I love it. We will put all that in the show notes for sure. Everybody definitely go follow them and definitely go try their products because they are super awesome. Lori and I were having fun with them this morning. And by coincidence, like I said earlier in the show, it actually saved Lori's butt at her big event a couple of years ago. So... Last question is this. I ask everyone this question. I'm curious what your answer is. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success?
0: Because life is short. And if you are not doing something that is really filling you up every single day, you are just wasting your time. And I I don't think you can really have the level of impact in the world that each of us is capable of having if they're doing something that is out of line with who they are and what they want.
1: So well said. I couldn't agree more. And everything that you've offered up is just a total gift from the way you show up in the world to the quick conversation that we had. I can't thank you enough, Carly. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me.